You're listening to Be You with Jackie Moore. Hey friends, it's Jackie Moore, and today I am talking about the parable of the sower. So this is a um, passage, it's in Luke chapter 8, and it is a passage that I started reading about a week ago and ended up just reading Luke chapter 8 for a week in my quiet time. Like every day I thought about, because I'm still slowly kind of reading through the Bible. I think I've talked about this if you've listened before, but I kind of read through the Bible in roughly three years because I kind of just try to be sensitive to the Spirit. This is just how like it works for me. It really helps me to um, just read through it and not feel like I'm going really fast and I have to check boxes. So I kept, every day I would sit down, open up my Bible and just ask God, okay, like my Isaiah today, or should I go back to Luke 8? And he just had me keep going back to Luke 8. And so I basically feel like I have memorized Luke 8. I really actually haven't, but I do know um, pretty much every story that Luke 8 talks about, not trying to brag or anything, but out of the probably 12 million chapters in the Bible, I got Luke chapter 8 down. So I'm going to talk about specifically just verses 4 through 15. And before I get started, uh, if if you are listening and, and maybe you haven't read the Bible a ton or didn't grow up in church, um, the words or the term parable of the sower could be very confusing for you. And so a parable, to kind of break that down, a parable is basically like a short story. If you've ever heard of a fable, it's very similar. Um, Just in the Bible, they're called parables. And so it's basically a short story that illustrates a principle. So Jesus a lot of times spoke in parables throughout all of his time and his ministry time on earth, um, he was constantly speaking in parables. So they're not like necessarily real stories that actually happened, but it's a story that he used in a way to illustrate so that people could better understand what he was saying. Um, And then a sower, S-O-W-E-R, this is meaning like someone who sows, S-O-W. So not sows like... You know, I ripped my pants and I just randomly thought of, I think there's like a SpongeBob song where he's like, I ripped my pants. I don't know, getting off track a little bit. But um, like if you rip a piece of clothing and you need someone to sew it, that's not what this is talking about. This is talking about sowing as in a farming perspective. So to plant seed or to scatter seed. Like I'm looking at the dictionary definition and the very first one says to scatter seed over land, earth for growth or to plant. And so that's what this is talking about. So the parable of the sower is a story that is illustrating a religious principle that Jesus is trying to teach here through talking about how a farmer would scatter seed throughout the earth and throughout his farmland. So I'm going to start reading in verse 4, and it says, When a large crowd was coming together and those from various cities were journeying to him, him being Jesus, he spoke by way of a parable. 
So to just pause right there before we jump into to what the parable was, um, it always makes me, like it still blows my mind, even though I know this about Jesus, um, that he doesn't care what people think about him. Like he is just here on mission with one purpose in mind to do the work of the Father. It literally still blows my mind. Every time I read something like verse four, where it says a large crowd was coming together People from various cities were journeying to him. They were journeying like they were like people were traveling a long way to see him. And he doesn't care to like make a speech that is going to make people want to keep listening to him. And what I mean by that is I think if if I were him, which everyone is thankful that we're not, that I'm not him. But if I were him and people were coming to me, like from various cities coming to listen to me, like it would be really, really hard for me not to want to talk about something that I knew people would want to hear, that I knew would make people happy, that would make them really like me and feel good about me and feel good about themselves. But you really see Jesus like every time. So right before he talks about this parable, he's just um, done some healings. He is going around from city to city. He is healing people. Um, He's teaching in the synagogues. And then here we see that he has had a large crowd come together. And instead of, you know, giving a real feel good, like you go and conquer your day people that came to see me, like you can, you can accomplish the task that you need. You're about to have a promotion in your job. You know, like instead of saying something like that, he tells this parable um, that is not necessarily the opposite, but it's very confusing. Like as a public speaking teacher, one of the things that I always tell um, people as they're speaking is you want to make sure that you're very clear and concise because you don't listen the same way that you read. Like if someone doesn't understand what you just said and they were hearing you say it, they can't go back and reread it to understand it. So when you're speaking to keep your audience engaged and keep their attention, you have to be very clear and not ambiguous. But here Jesus is speaking in a parable and he says in verse five, the sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some of the seed fell beside the road, and it was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air ate it up. Other seed fell on rocky soil, and as soon as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it out. Other seed fell into the good soil and grew up and produced a crop a hundred times as great. And as he said these things, he would call out, so Jesus would call out, he who has ears, let him hear. And so he says this, and at the time, you know, they don't have, he's just, they're hearing him talk. They don't have the entire Bible. Um, The canon had not been put together the way that, that we have it. So they're hearing this, and the disciples in verse nine start questioning him. They're like, what does this exactly mean? We're not exactly following you right now, Jesus. And so then you see verse 10 through 15, Jesus breaks down this parable. And I'm going to read that in just a minute. But he goes totally opposite of, you know, what I would think, what I would want to say 
to a large crowd that had gathered. Like he tells them something that's pretty hard to understand, so hard to understand that the people that know him best aren't really following him. They're like, we, we need your help here. And so Jesus does. He helps them. In verse 10, he says, To you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it is in parables, so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. And then he goes on in verse 11 to explain what this parable means. He says, now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. And so what is being scattered here is the word of God. That's what Jesus is saying um, when he talks about the seed being sown. He's talking about the word of God. And I think you could even hear um, and interpret that the word of God to be, you know, the truth about Jesus, the truth about, because really the word of God is like the whole point of the word of God is to explain who Jesus is, why he needed to come, who man is, why we needed Jesus, what Jesus did, and then who we can be because of what Jesus did and the fact that he is going to, he has a a new kingdom that as believers we will one day be. So that's the whole point of the word of God. And so he's not, um, I don't think he's necessarily saying that people should go around and literally take their Bible and throw them out the window, right? Or like get those little mini Bibles and just, I mean, maybe like that, you never know, someone could pick it up. But I think really what he's talking about more so here is us speaking and sharing about Jesus and, and about our need for a savior. And so to pick back up in verse 12, those beside the road are those who have heard. So going back to his parable from earlier, verse 5, some of the seed was thrown and fell beside the road and it was trampled underfoot. So Jesus is saying that what that meant is that sometimes the devil comes and takes away the word from their heart so that they will not believe and be saved. So that's how verse 12 interprets verse 5, that sometimes you are going to talk about Jesus to your friends, maybe to your family members. You're going to talk about salvation, maybe to, to a random stranger that you feel like you need to share the gospel with, and it's not going to take root. Like the seed, it's not even sort of going to plant. It's immediately going to be gone because the devil comes and takes the word away from their heart. So they're not going to believe. Okay, the next thing that it says, which is, I should say, I shouldn't just blow past that. That's really sad, right? Like that is really sad to think about that some people um, will hear the word being spoken And we'll just, the devil will immediately snatch it. And so one way that I have tried to figure out, okay, what do I do with this verse is I pray against that. So anytime, like whenever um, I've started to do this even more so, I've read this before, but more so in this past week, um, anytime that I talk about Jesus or I'm around someone, or maybe I know that my husband, Brandon, is going to be sharing the gospel. I said Sharon really um, 
really Southern there. No G on it. (laughs) Sharing the gospel with someone. um, I will pray that this will not be true for them. I will pray against um, Satan coming and stealing the seed. And I think that we can do that, right? We can't unfortunately control everything, but we can control how we pray. I say unfortunately, like it's actually very fortunate that we don't have control over everything. You can see that I struggle with control sometimes. Um, But then verse 13 says, it goes on to explain the next part. It goes on to explain the seed that fell on the rocky soil, but withered away because there there was no moisture. Verse 13 says, those on the rocky soil are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no firm root. They believe for a while, and in time of temptation, they fall away. So this might be, you know, the person who hears that they need a savior, they're like, yes, I know this is what I've, this is what I've been waiting for. This is what I need. And then, um, it just doesn't really stick. Like maybe it's a very emotional thing for them, but, um, intellectually they don't fully understand and believe, um, or it's not like it hasn't been, the Holy Spirit hasn't fully opened their eyes to see. And so in times of temptation or, or in trial, Um, they turn from Jesus. It was kind of just a thing they did for a little bit, and now they're going to try the next thing because it didn't take root. And then moving on to the last two, some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it out. And so verse 14 explains this. The seed which fell among the thorns, these are the ones who have heard, and as they go on their way are choked with worries and riches and pleasures of this life, and bring no fruit to maturity. So this verse is honestly pretty scary uh, because it doesn't, and my goal here is not to to make clear whether or not, you know, this seed is, is someone who is actually a believer or not. Like, I think that there's debate around that, but um, it really makes it sound like that people that get really distracted by worries of the world, by pursuing money over God, um, they don't mature, they don't bring fruit. And why I say that's sad is because I know the, the blessing and the joy and the goodness that comes out of intimacy with the Lord. And intimacy with the Lord, intimacy with Jesus brings fruit and brings you to maturity. And I'm not saying at all that I am um, like a very mature, prestigious Christian and I have no room to grow. That's not what I'm saying at all. But I'm saying I know that intimacy with the Lord produces fruit and maturity. And I, I know how good it is to be close to the Lord and to put him first and to give him your worries and to give him um, the seat, the throne in your mind and in your heart and in your soul and in your strength and put everything else underneath that. And so the last part of the seed is the seed that fell on good soil. And verse 15 says, the seed that is in good soil, these are the ones who have heard the word in an honest and good heart and hold it fast, and bear fruit with perseverance. So this is obviously the the seed that we want to sow, 
right? This is the ideal seed. This is the ideal soil that we would sow seed in. You know, we want to walk around and we want to find the good soil because this is the type of seed that we want that's going to grow and is going to, to reproduce. And so my goal with this particular podcast, what the Lord has been teaching me out of this is not necessarily um, to, to teach you or to even teach myself how to be the good soil. Um, it's not what I want to focus on. What struck me here is that nowhere in this explanation does Jesus say to go and look for the good soil and to only sow seeds in the good soil. That's not what he says. Instead, he says, you know, that sometimes when you're throwing out seed to plant, it's going to land in this soil. And this is what's going to happen. I almost hear it now as like, so don't be discouraged. This is going to happen. You're going to share the gospel and it's not like people are not going to receive it well. Or you're going to share the gospel and people are going to be really excited and you're going to think, man, yes, like they're a believer now. And then all of a sudden they're walking away from the faith and they are totally living opposite of how Christ would have them live. Like, don't be discouraged by that because that is going to happen. I can get so discouraged. Like I can be so results driven. I'm a very, I tend to be a very logical thinker and I want proof. I want results. And so if I share the gospel, I talk about Jesus with someone and nothing happens, I can be very, and nothing happens as in they don't like say, wow, this is the best thing ever. Give their life to Jesus and start maturing immediately. Um, If that doesn't happen, I can get discouraged and I can think, man, I'm not very good at this. I shouldn't do this. I just need to to go home and 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 read my and I do need to read my Bible, but I just need to go like read my Bible for a year and then try to like share with someone again. And I don't think that that's what I think the whole point or what I've gathered from this passage is that we're not like sharing about Jesus is not always going to be received the way that we want it to be received, but that doesn't mean we don't share. We can't control which is a good thing, as I said earlier, not unfortunately, but fortunately, we don't control everything. And we can't control what kind of soil is in the other person's heart, is in the other person's mind, is in their soul. But we can control that we are sharing with them. And so I really, this really gave me a perspective shift in that instead of thinking Okay, well, why do I want to put out all of this effort if it might fall onto soil that the devil steals it immediately and it's pointless? And I just made myself super uncomfortable talking about Jesus and I spent a lot of time praying and this was super inconvenient for me and like nothing's going to happen. Why would I do that? Right? That was honestly my perspective before. But reading this has really given me, which is not good, um, but reading this passage has given me a perspective shift in that I am now thinking, okay, I don't know what the soil is. And therefore, I need to be sharing the gospel because who knows whenever I talk about Jesus that it might be landing on good soil. And I would hate to pass up an opportunity to put seed into good soil, right? 
And so my encouragement to you is that um, we can be like Jesus by talking about him and sharing about him because you even see Jesus, I mean, Judas, who betrayed him, followed him for a while, right? And so you see Jesus sharing with people about who he is and talking about the kingdom of heaven everywhere he went, knowing this parable to be true, knowing that people were not going to believe. In fact, knowing that a lot of these people in a few years would be calling for his death and would be calling for him to be crucified. And so I think how we can be like Jesus is that we can pray for good soil every time we share and that we can trust that we don't control the soil, but we will be obedient no matter what. When we do those things, then I think we're being who we were truly created to be. 